Good morning, and welcome to Ask the Pro, a paid commercial program. The opinions expressed are those of the participating clients and not necessarily those of the management and staff of WLVL. Ask the Pro is an informational-based program designed to advertise the product and or service of the client and to introduce them to the WLVL listening audience. Your questions and comments are welcome throughout the show. Just call 716-433-1433. Good morning, everybody. Today is Friday, February 9th. 2024, if you can believe we're already that far into the year. Holy, holy kaboli. And I am pleased to say that I am joined in studio with our very own Dr. Ken Kerb from family, from Kerb's Family Chiropractic and Wellness, located at 741 Davison Road here in the city of Lockport. Good morning, Dr. Kerbs. How are you? Good morning, Eric. I am doing fine. It's a beautiful spring day out there. Isn't so it something? get out and enjoy before yeah, the rains hit later today. So. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's it's amazing. On the 9th of February, we have I know going to be nearly sixty degrees. This it's afternoon. a bit of a fluke, but you know, enjoy it while you got it. Yeah, because why know? not? Because I mean, everybody complains so much, and it's like you know, we finally have gotten some decent, you know, some little break in this thing, and you know, you realize that it's only what maybe five more weeks, and it's spring. You know, so that's right. We're almost there. Yep, we're getting there, and it hasn't been a horrible winter. Anyways, no. it's you know no. we had a, a little a little bit here, a little bit there. Nothing like when we were kids. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> you know, back when we had to walk uphill both ways to school and back in our, in our bare feet and yes, all that jazz. <laughs> Winter winters were rougher then, and it, and it's like you know people you know people do all this, you know hooting and hollering about climate change, and it's like wait a minute, I don't I can remember winters being significantly more severe, and summers you know, were significantly hotter, right? And it just and I just don't understand it. It's not that much different, you know. No. So. No, yeah. uh, it's funny. These guys say, well, the ocean levels are going to rise yeah. and all the people that are yelling about the ocean level rising. What are they doing? They're buying oceanfront property in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why would why would all these why would all these major investment groups be be, you know, going into all that stuff if that's what's going to happen? You know, they know they know what's going to happen. Yeah, you exactly. Know? They know you scare everybody else off. But then, sure. you know, you go in and, and take advantage of that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, you can join this conversation with Dr. Ken and myself by dialing 433-1433. That's 433-1433. And, of course, if you would like to have a oh a little chat with Dr. Ken Curbs in private, you can call his office at 434-0671, and he will arrange a consultation for you to uh, talk about your personal needs. But until then, give us a call here at the station, 433-1433. Now, Doc, I see you have a book in your hand. Oh, yes. <laughs> I wanna. I wanna. I've been reading this really. I've been reading so much more lately, and um, this book I've had for a while, been wanting it, but it kind of gets pushed on the side all the time. And and I um, decided to pick it up, and I'm almost done with it. But there's been. I, I'm I'm gonna probably bring this back a few times because there's so many fascinating things you know within the book that are just so relevant to what's going on today, and also retrospectively looking at what's gone on in the past. You know, to see where our mindset, where our health care systems where the pharmaceutical cartel has led us to down a, a, a unfortunate path um, the title of the book is called Goodbye Germ Theory um, and it was written by Dr. William Trebing and the last um, edition the six, I have the sixth edition and that was last updated in 2006 so you know the thing is is that 
so much of this stuff, when you look at it from the perspective of his a viewpoint of it back in 2006, you know, which was what, 14, you know, 18 years ago. And his predictions of what was going to happen in the future. Oh, he was spot on. He was so dead on. It was incredible. Is, you is know this like how 1984 stuff. Well, it's it's interesting because the the control within the healthcare system has just gotten. We just saw it. You know, we just went through a quote pandemic, and you saw how the overreaching powers went way beyond what anybody could ever believe they could do. And uh, what amazed me is how compliant um, the vast majority of people were in not questioning or challenging. Now they're all starting to come back and question and challenge when all the facts are really starting to come out. Um, but they certainly weren't doing it at the time because they were, you know, scared to death, you know, about what was going on. You know, so, you know, this this stuff eventually comes out. Um, but, you know, the thing is, when you look at somebody who wrote about this um you know, a number of years ago and how how in- incredibly accurate they were. So I just wonder, I'm going to read a few pages on this because, you know, we're right in that we're right in the midst of, quote, the flu season. OK, so we always you know, this is the we have the ramp up every year and especially after the holidays, you know, we hit it really hard. And so um, this particular chapter is who's afraid of the big bad flu. And the first one is, you know, they, he, he always goes into like, what is the party line? What is our, our, the powers that be say? And um, here's what they say. He says, the multitudes of bacterial and viral strains that cause the common cold and flu are staggering. Each year there are endless new varieties since these microorganisms are able to mature and adapt so rapidly. This has been the ongoing dilemma with with finding an all-encompassing cure for the common cold and flu and precisely why flu shots are needed every year before each flu season which begins with the onset of cold weather our brilliant medical researchers work diligently to isolate the new strains so that vaccines can be provided for the public before the season begins thus research has shown that flu vaccines have greatly decreased the incidence of flu in north america okay that's the party line and then he goes on to say, what a load of malarkey. The medical cartel using the CDC's political influence has successfully developed this elaborate and quite profitable witch hunt called the flu season. Part of the reason they are able to do this, a huge part of that is, has to deal with the psychological state of our nation in regards to accepting responsibility for their own health and the creation of their own illness. It is so much easier for people brainwashed into denial to accept that they have become in invaded by some new microbe that systematically has the power to bring them down. This is precisely why people go running for flu shots each year before the holidays. For all intents and purposes, the wise, educated individual should at least realize the high level of chicanery involved in the language of the cold and flu season. What the medical cartel has capitalized as cold and flu are nothing more than the body's intent, sometimes extreme, to detoxify. Let's go over some of the myths of this cold and flu season. Number one, it's cold outside. The body's resistance to germs is lower in cold weather, which is why people primarily get sick when the weather changes to cold. Actually, part of this is true. The human body is placed under stress during periods of cold weather and is important to keep from becoming too chilled while outside. This is especially important for young children and infants. However, cold or warm has nothing to do with resistance to so-called germs. We will discuss that further when we fully take part of the germ 
part the germ theory. For now, just understand that this notion of contagion becomes more communicable in cold weather has no basis in rational science. What does become lower however is in cold weather is your body's ability to, to maintain a high threshold for toxicity when this occurs you start coughing up spitting up and ejecting mucus from every orifice the body can eject accumulated poisons from number two beware the strep throat boogeyman is coming strep throat cultures are the biggest scam since pink lemonade kids get sore throats parents haul them into the pediatrician in fear the doctor gets a throat culture and gives you a call the next day saying they found streptococcus your kid then goes on antibiotics for strep throat, gets better in some weeks, and everyone lives happily ever after. Only if you repeat this exact same scenario, save the sore throat or any other any thought of illness, you may still have a positive culture for streptococcus. In other words, these streptococcus are there whether or not you get the diagnosis of strep throat. These cultures and the diagnosis are virtually meaningless. Now repeat the same scenario with suspect, suspected illness and take out the antibiotics. The recovery time for your child is most likely, will most likely be shorter, if not the same. Antibiotics should rarely be taken by anyone, especially children. They are highly toxic to children and should only be given to anyone during a life-threatening crisis where detoxification runs out of control. Parents should understand that during the cold weather months, children and adults will get sore throats primarily due to dry, cold weather and dry, warm, forced air indoor heating environments. These two things dry up the otherwise moist mucous membranes of the nasal and throat passages, called the nasopharynx, causing them to crack just enough to enhance irritation. The microbes found around these cracked and dry throat membranes are simply there doing the, good, the job God created them to do, eating up toxic waste buildups. The microbes' metabolism and your body's garbage now found in these cracked and dried throat membranes are what cause the sore throat feeling. The culprit, however, is not the microbe. It is the level of toxicity you have in your own bloodstream that now has to ch the chance to ooze out. Number three, influenza epidemics peak mysteriously at the same time of year throughout the U.S., four to six weeks after January 1st. It's not known what creates these elevations, but they may be due to delayed reporting following the Christmas and New Year holidays. Well, these unique cycles of illness called influenza are very related to the holidays, but they have nothing to do with germs or delayed reporting. We all know what happens around the holidays. Thanksgiving rolls around the third Thursday of November to begin the whole show. Americans eat a lot, a lot of meat, a lot of booze, coffee, tea, white sugar products, white flour products. Stress of being around family members we would only agree to be around because of the holidays. We may well survive this assault of multitude stress, but just in time for Christmas shopping. Then all the above begins once again. Then we have our New Year celebration. Then all of the, the above begins once more. Then your body finally has enough of all of this and screams, I'm not going to take this anymore, and you get sick. But are you really sick? In the full sense of the word... No, you're not. In fact, you are more healthy than the person who cannot produce symptoms of detoxification anymore because the body's vitality has been beaten down. This is the real story of the CDC's mysterious flu epidemic that arises annually for six weeks around the holidays. The CDC will tell you that they supp supposed flus are contagious and it is wise to get your vaccine. What a scam. Most everyone is detoxifying without understanding why, and the medical cartel seizes the moment for profit 
with its propaganda on a naive and foolish public. There have been little, if any, double-blind studies completed by the pharmaceutical companies comparing people who take these medications, antibiotics, over-the-counter cold and flu remedies and the like, with people who do absolutely nothing but rest and drink more water. They absolutely refuse to do any double-blind studies as the effectiveness of flu-vaccinated people with the unvaccinated population. Why is this so? Because they already know what the results would be. Sickness in the unvaccinated populations is equal to and most likely greater than sickness in the unvaccinated. If this were true of any other company you and I began, we would be shut down immediately by the FDA and other federal agencies. But the medical cartel gets to run amok without any supporting evidence of effectiveness. For those of you who need a review, a double-blind study involves the effectiveness of any given vaccine would commence as follows. A group of people the study would all be told they were receiving a certain vaccine. However, only a certain select number out of the group would actually receive the vaccine and the rest would receive water. The people administering the shots as well as the people collecting the data after the shots were given, would also not know which shots were the actual vaccines and which shots were simply water. Only a select few researchers would have this information. There would also be a control group of people who received no shots. These three distinct groups would then be studied over the course of a year or more. What would the result be? No one knows, because the drug companies who make the shots refuse to commence with such a project in a truly scientific manner, using a third-party research company to complete the study to ensure reliability of the collected data. I can tell you from my own personal research, without a doubt, that the incidence of cold and flu in each group would come out equal, probably with the real vaccinated group showing more illness in general than the other two groups. This would once... And for all, prove that vaccines are a scam, but the drug companies are totally and unequivocally made unaccountable for the thousands of lives they damage annually through their methods and medications. No one in government is pushing for a study such as this one, and for good reason. The medical cartel forbids it. They have become their own form of government within our government and in some areas control our lives more than any other form of government we have ever seen. Watch out for this medical profession and cartel. They aim to control more of your life as each year passes. Interesting. This was, again, 18 years ago. That's just what I was going to say. Um, this, it, yeah. 18 years yeah. ago, they're saying... He's saying this, and, and how, look what happened, okay? I'm going to just continue. There's just a little bit more sure. here. Even the World Health Organization has conceded that the most common protection against infectious disease is an adequate diet. In this, If this is the case, why isn't the medical profession, with its advertising prowess, aiming people towards taking better care of themselves by eating better? The answer is simple. There's no profit in empowering people to be healthy and keep themselves that way. They make it perfectly clear that they will continue to act as the real drug pushers of our society, pushing their massive vaccine campaigns through government, assuring a compliant and available public for profit. It is vital to have a clear understanding of the true nature of cold and flu, especially if you are a parent. These conditions are, in a sense, contagious, are in a sense a contagious process of detoxification and elimination. Even the chickenpox, the thought to be contagious, is simply a natural process of immune system development that most children need to experience. I have recommended the homeopathic remedy called Rus Toxidendron in my practice for many years and have never been if you have never seen a case of chickenpox, it did not help the child process through in 48 hours or less without scarring. Cold weather does not precipitate colds and flus, not due to any more virulent germ of the cold weather. 
but more from the emotional and physical stress we experience during the cold weather months. Forced air, dry and enclosed heating environments, severely dry dry the outer skin as well as the inner. The inner linings of the nose, pharynx, uh, throat, larynx, and bronchial tubes are called mucous membranes because they are naturally lined with a healthy layer of moist fluid. This layer is drastically reduced in forced air, non-moist indoor heating environments, and thus is prone to becoming torn and chafed. In other words, a sore throat. Toxins in the blood now come to the surface. The natural saprophytic or garbage-eating qualities of the bacteria ever-present in these areas go to work. They start to metabolize and excrete as they work, and you now have what the medical profession calls a full-blown cold or flu. All other lung diagnoses such as bronchitis, pneumonia, and the like follow the same rule of thumb here of respiratory system detoxification process with concern to detoxification. The lungs and respiratory systems in general are a huge outlet for toxicity, and when it is vital to the body, uses this avenue of toxic release quite often. Okay, and that's where I'm going to end. Um, so you look at that, you've got to realize this, that that is a way of the body excreting or getting this stuff out of the system. Okay, you know, I raised five kids. You know, my kids, first of all, rarely ever got sick because, again, of how we handle their, their health, their nutrition, and so forth. But when they did, we just allowed them to be, quote, sick. When, in fact, I look at it as actually being healthy. Their body is trying to get rid of this stuff. So, you know, if you, eat, if you ate something that was bad or toxic to your system and you threw up, People say, I'm sick. I look at that and say, you're not absolutely sick. Your body did exactly what it needed to do. It needed to get rid of that. And that's where the vomiting came was to expel that from the system. The same thing happens with fever. You know, when children get fevers, you know, it's an elevation in body temperature in order to regulate or to to stop the proliferation of a virus or a bacteria. Now, obviously, you have to use common sense. You have to monitor it. But I see people's kids get temperatures of 99 and they're panicking and loading them up with Tylenol and running them to the doctor and giving them antibiotics. And it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Since colds and flus are caused by viruses, antibiotics are totally ineffective. They don't affect viral infections. They're for bacterial infections. Right. You know, when penicillin was discovered back in the last century, you know, it was an amazing drug because people were dying of, of life-threatening infections. But but what's happened is the overuse and abuse have turned the other hand. So now that we've had, you know, our bodies are going to adapt. You know, the universe adapts to everything. And so what happens is now we've developed all these antibiotic resistant strains of bacteria that can't be helped by the bacteria because of the overuse and abuse of the system. So now you got to find a, a better a better mousetrap. And that's what they do. They just keep looking for the, a bigger and better when in fact they're mm-hmm. just destroying people's you know, they're they're destroying people's own immune systems. You know that you know again because again they they focus on and rely on a person's irresponsibility for taking care of their own health. You know, and it's very frustrating when you're in a healthcare system, you know, it's very frustrating when people, you know, they they come to you and they throw their bodies on your in your office and say here take care of me, fix it. Say, like, wait a minute, at what point do you take responsibility for keeping it that way? Nah, you know, what fun is that? I know, uh, I know. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to WLVO 1340 AM, streaming worldwide at WLVO.com. Today we have Dr. Ken Kerbs from Kerbs Family Chiropractic and Wellness in as our guest, talking all things 
chiropractic health and more. It's like it's like a Dr. Ken Plus. You know, you get Disney Plus, we get Dr. Ken Plus because it's so much more. And we would we would really enjoy it if you would join the conversation. All you have to do is dial four three three. One four three three dial. When was the last time we dialed a phone, Ken? I I don't even remember. I don't even remember. I haven't even seen one in years. You, you see ever, them sometimes in some old movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You'll see them, but it's um, my kids have no concept of what a, a oh, dial phone is. Oh, it's really funny to put you know, a, put a fourteen year old in front of a dial yeah. phone and, and make and have them make it work. Yeah, it is hilarious. I know. I've I seen know. movies or you know, little clips on YouTube yeah. about it. If you ever want to get a kick, hey, speaking of calls. By golly, it worked. Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, caller. You are on the air with Dr. Ken Kerbs. What is your uh, thought or question, please? They hung up. They hung up. Maybe they didn't want to talk to us. Well, they can call back at 433-1433. Maybe they thought it was the other show. Maybe it was. You know, they weren't listening, but they want to call in on it. Yeah. yeah. I want to sell my John Deere. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that you want to look at when we talk about the germ theory, you know, you go back to the whole germ theory has been has been accredited uh, to a gentleman called Louis Pasteur, you know, and I mean, he is he is, him. you know, he is uh, famous for many, many hundreds of years now with the, with the concept and the development of the germ theory. And that's basically what all of conventional allopathic medicine is based on today. However, at the same time, you know, uh, Louis Pasteur had a contemporary called, his name was Anton Beauchamp. And Anton Beauchamp had a very different concept of that it wasn't the germs that were attacking the person because the germs are all always present. But it's actually the terrain or the body itself. You know, so when we talk about if we have a healthy system, mm-hmm. those germs can't take over. I mean, bacteria and, and germs in there are there for a purpose. Our bodies are loaded with them all the time, and they're therefore, you know, they're what are called saprophytic. They're they're there to clean up the mess, to clean up the quote the infections and the and the other things that are trying to um, bring that system down. Well, let me ask you this: What is the difference between a germ and a bacterium? They're 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 all they're all that's it's kind of like a catch-all term. Okay. Okay. Now, what's really interesting is when you look at Antoine Bishop's research stating um, that he he named this thing called a mycorrhiza, which basically is an entity, a very small entity within the cell that would adapt to that could become a virus, could become a bacteria, could become a fungus, depending on the stresses put on the system. And that it it did what's called pleomorphism, which it could change into that um, into that particular thing, depending on the needs or the stress within the system. So the thing is, is that you know, like like in chiropractic, you know, we look at that all healing occurs from within you. Okay, I as a doctor of chiropractic can't heal you. Your medical doctor can't heal you. You know, I'm going to make the changes within your system to remove the interference, so your body has the ability to heal itself. The medical doctor is going to load an out outside chemical into your system. You know, or they're going to remove your organ to remove the problem altogether. That's their solution. You know, we either drug it or we cut it out. You know, we look at we look at human beings as either, you know, suffering from a lack of uh, a lack of drugs or an excess of organs. And that's how the medical profession, you know, views the views that are 
the human body, you know, whereas in chiropractic says, you know what, God gave you this body for a reason and for the use and purpose for throughout your entire life. It wasn't about being chemically altered and organ, organs harvested throughout your entire lifetime. It's about establishing a healthy system that you can go from birth to death fully intact. And we don't see a lot of that anymore. It's rare to see, you know, a 95-year-old who is fully intact, meaning they have all their organs, all their joints, all their teeth, you know, and so forth. Okay, it's very rare to see that. I see it once in a while, you know. My dad lived to 94. He had all of his teeth, all of his joints, all of his organs. Okay. No, I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. No, my dad did develop prostate cancer when he was 70 and his prostate removed, but that was it. It was removed and everything else was fine. Okay. So he was 70 years old at the time. Um, so those kind of things, you know, can exist. Okay. For me personally, when I was six years old, I had my tonsils removed. Okay. I don't ever remember having sore throats or anything of that nature. I wasn't a sickly kid. The whole reason for them removing my tonsils at that time was because they said they were enlarged. And again, realize this, this was back in the early sixties. Okay. That was the, I mean, millions of kids had their tonsils and adenoids taken out back then. I mean, that was like the, the, the surgery of choice for any kid, you know, um, it was so incredibly common. Now, moving fast forward, being in healthcare now for 40 years, you got to realize there was a reason my, my tonsils were enlarged. You know, the tonsils are part of the, are part of the primary defense mechanism within our system. They're part of our lymphatic system. They're what are going to be the primary defense as things start entering into our nose and our mouth, you know, the toxins, the bacteria and stuff like that. That's the first primary form of defense. So they're going to react and my tonsils were reacting to whatever was coming in. They were a defense mechanism, and what, how they solved it was they cut them out. It was the most horrible. I can still remember that very vividly, you know, on how incredibly painful, you know, that of a process that was. And they thought nothing of it. They did it. It was you, you rarely see kids' tonsils being taken out now, you know. But boy, oh boy, back then in the in the sixties, that was just that was very very common. Okay, so if the illness is a showing itself via the tonsils it's it's cleaning out the things once you get your tonsils removed where does it go that's the problem okay now you have that's a primary defense there's other defense i mean you have an immune system you have other lymphatic system but that was a primary defense mechanism so why did they take my tonsils out there was no justification for it at all i wasn't getting infections i wasn't getting ear infections i wasn't getting throat infections i wasn't sick i wasn't i didn't have a sore throat nothing i had no idea what was going on my my mother took me to the pediatrician for a routine exam he examined me and said oh your tonsils are too large and we need to take them out and that was the that was the mentality uh back then right you know yeah but now i still have my tonsils yeah but the only reason i still have my tonsils is because when my brother had his taken out the doctor nicked an artery and he almost died they had to give him transfusions my neighbor the same way my neighbor had his tonsils taken out when he was a teenager and and hemorrhaged severely yes you know, as a result of that. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot of risk involved with that. Yep. There's a lot of risk involved with that. Yeah, to get some um, transfusions. And my mom's like, no way you're putting a knife in my other son's throat. Right, exactly. Exactly. And yeah. there was no reason for it. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely no reason for it. You know, if you have a child who's having reoccurring throat infections and reoccurring ear infections and sinus infections and all stuff, it's because their inherent immune system is being compromised. They are in a weakened state. 
rather than rather than loading them up with antibiotics and taking out their tonsils and androids and stuff like that, why don't you start looking at what's going on within their central nervous system? Why don't you start getting them neurologically balanced? Why don't you start getting their diets cleaned up and things like that? Those are going to be far more effective than any of the other uh, treatment choices in the long run. You know, I've had I've never had a child in my office that was dealing with like chronic reoccurring ear infections, which is very common in kids. You know, some of them having, you know, 10, 12 courses of antibiotics in a year, you know, like every month they're putting on antibiotics for an ear infection, which even the Academy of Pediatrics is stating that that's not okay. But again, they still they're still doing it. Okay. But I mean, you know, it takes it takes a few months to get them straightened out. But I've never had one who, you know, didn't undergo some treatment for a period of time and resolve the situation altogether, because now you're reestablishing the normal. um, You're now establishing a reaffirming the normal nerve function that's controlling that. And then you're also by reestablishing the normal nerve function, you're also increasing immune response, you know, and every other aspect of how that body's going to function. And these kids just clear up, you know, with no apparent reason. You know, these hyperactive kids, the kids who had the colicky babies, you know, I, I've never had one that if you take a colicky baby boy, a few adjustments and they're like a, they're like a different person. You know, they're just like a totally different person. Everybody's life gets colic, better there. Right. Colic is not a, a, a natural case of of um what i want to say it's a natural childhood thing i mean any parent who's gone through with a colicky kid they want to tear their hair out right you know it's 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 horrible and these kids just can't be consoled the problem is at that point when they get it they they're they're too young to communicate the only way they know how to do is cry mm-hmm. you know um it's interesting i had this was a, a case this young girl is all grown up now but um she was about three months old she was a third child of this family and she was about three or four months old at the time, and the parents were just beside themselves. This child never, never slept more than an hour or two, Ugh. and it was just up all night, and just it was just horrible. And um, the mom brought her in. She trusted me. I mean, her her oldest oldest child was a good friend of my son's, so we knew the family, and they trusted me enough. And she just was at her wit's end. Brought her in, and um, I did my evaluations, my neurological testing, and stuff like that. Saw where the issues were. I adjusted that baby, and when I adjusted the baby, I handed her back to her mother, and she literally, within moments, fell asleep. First of all, she calmed right down, and she fell asleep. The mom took her home, and um, the next time she came in, she goes, I, I just cannot believe it. She goes, I got really scared because the baby slept for 12 hours, okay? That baby had never slept more than an hour or two. In three months, it was exhausted. It was absolutely exhausted. Yes. Okay. When you relieve that pressure, because you got to realize birth trauma, and especially when there's interference with birth trauma, sets like forceps or suction, or the doctor just pulling on the baby's head when they're coming out to quote assist it. Okay. All those things create a lot of upper neck trauma, you know, and and so that is the that's the situation for the most part that creates these sometimes unconsoling you know things i mean you know obviously you know i speak from experience with my five kids i never my four or three of my five kids slept through the night and i when i say slept through the night meaning at least a solid six hours within the first week of being born two of them the other two took four weeks before they slept through the night, and both of them were born prematurely. Okay. One was born two weeks premature. The other one was born almost about three and a half, almost four weeks premature. Okay. So the thing was, but, but they weren't, it wasn't like they were up all night. They just didn't sleep 
six hours. You know, they might have slept four or, you know, or something like that. It wasn't like they were real super fussy or anything like that. They just needed more nourishment to get them through the night and Mm -hmm. so forth. But, but so, you know, people say, oh my God, how, you know, how do you do that? It's like, I don't know. I never had a problem. We, we never had an issue. But again, my children were checked and adjusted from day one in in the hospital the moment they were born. You know, as soon as I could get my hands on them, I checked them. And I was right there watching that obstetrician, quote, assisting them coming out. It's like, please don't pull on my kid's head. You know, that that bodies, you know, babies can be born. They don't need help. (laughs) Right. They really don't need help. They're coming out whether you help them or not. Right. Okay. Just another push and it'll come. You don't have to rush it. That's right. So, uh, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, in case you're just now joining us, you've been listening to Dr. Ken Curbs from Curbs Chiro- Family Chiropractic and Wellness, which is located at 741 Davison Road here in the city of Lockport. And we would love nothing more than for you to join this conversation with us this morning at 433-1433-433-1433 here on WLVL 1340 AM and streaming worldwide at WLVL.com. You know, going back to the germ theory and so forth. Oh, okay. Oh, if we got a call, let's grab that, and then we'll go back. Right. Good morning, caller. You're on with Dr. Kurz. What is your uh, comment, thought, or question? Uh, good morning, Eric and Dr. Ken. Good morning. Hey. Uh, since we're on the sleep issue, I'd like to ask Dr. Ken, how long can the human body go without sleeping? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that exactly. I okay. think you're about to let us know, um, John. <laughs> but but it's like people can go a long time. Now, what's interesting, I, I have a I have an interesting patient of mine. He's in his, um, I want to say he's in his late, he's right around 80-ish, 80-ish, that age. And he tells me he never sleeps. He's up all night long. There's just no possible way. Sometimes what will happen is you will go into different levels of sleep. Um, like sometimes I think I'm awake because my I'm consciously there but you're in a you're in a lower level of sleep you know so there's many different levels of that um, right. and so you know that's where that's where a lot of times they do sleep studies and things like that to see where where people are falling in that a lot of times people have these fitness trackers too that will track your sleep so they'll show you they're able to monitor you know when you're in your REM sleep and when you're in your deeper sleep and so forth so you can monitor right. that stuff so go ahead go on with your question then why why you're well, asking that because I really haven't had slept since July 10th of 2009. Okay. If if I can fall asleep, it's like 20 minutes, right. and then and I, I, I for a while I was saying I can't I can't sleep, and now I realize it's not that I can't sleep; it's that I refuse to sleep because when I do sleep, I get dreams, and they're not really dreams; they're almost nightmares, uh-huh. wicked. Wicked, nasty stuff that goes through my mind. So yeah. I will not sleep. Yeah. And I walk. I walk around the village. I do this. I do that. I just. I refuse to fall asleep. So you're and not. You're not I even. I am. I'm, I'm totally exhausted. I know yeah, I am. Of course, but you're not lying down, and you're not lying down and trying to sleep. I will, but when I get on the edge, and this, this goes way, way back. When I get on the edge where I'm first starting to fall asleep. Strange things go through my mind. Right, right. So, so let me to ask you something. It's that's you know when you said you you haven't slept in fifteen years. Okay, mm-hmm. what happened fifteen years ago? What happened that that led to that? Uh, I got well. We might as well be honest. I got a DWI, and I had no idea what was going to happen to me. Okay, in the uncertainty. Yeah. 
really messed me up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and, and how old are you now? I'm 59. 50, okay. All right. So, yeah, so that'll play. So, so again, you know, now we get, we get into the whole, you know, the whole physical aspect of it, but the whole emotional aspect of it. So, so tell me something. How did that turn out for you then, you know, in, in that situation? Well, I ended up doing a four-month stint in a county jail. Okay. And came home and to an empty house and yep. dark and closed and a pile of mail and I had to go through and uh, I had bills I had I had gotten behind in my mortgage payments I you know everything just came crashing down at sure. one time sure and, sure and then it was just. Uh, you know, so it's to me. It almost sounds like you have like a almost a PTSD situation, you know, a post traumatic stress disorder based on the trauma of that. Okay, mm-hmm. you know that that you went through a very tra- see when you look back at these things, when you look back when an event occurs, and you were very specific. You know, you're very specific on the date. Mm-hmm. Something had to have occurred. You know that that led to that situation. Now, so first of all, have you done anything from a counseling standpoint or anything like that? Yeah, when I after I got out of out of jail, I had to go to counseling and had to go to you know this that and the other thing. They made me get my GED, and, and all that worked out really great for me. Right. And when I was in counseling. I wasn't just going to talk about it because I do drink a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. A little bit, Eric. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, when I got into counseling, I said, you people are paid to listen to me. I'm going to, you know, just unload on you. Right, right. And having someone impartial that you can just unload on was, was a lot off my mind. But at the same time, I... <sighs> And I, I live in an area where, you know, if I want counseling or something, I got to go to the Lockport or Buffalo or something like that, and I don't have a driver's license anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so well, you know, so, here, so, and I have so much time all by myself. Yeah, you live here. alone? You live alone? Yeah, I, well, my son lives with me, but he works a strange shift, so yeah. I never get to talk to him. Okay. But for the most part, I'm here by myself. All day long, and I overthink. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Well, so first I, of all, you realize I that I, got, I, I think I got psychological problems. Well, believe me, this is playing a huge psychological factor on you. It absolutely is. Okay, so the the other thing too is you realize now you can do counseling online. Do you have access to right. a computer? I mean, you don't have yes, to I physically do. you don't have to physically go to places. There are places that can do one-on-one face-to-face counseling sessions, you know, online that could really help because you need some, you know, the thing is I mean, physically, you know, from my perspective, you know, I would want to if if I were to if I were to see someone like you, I would want to see first of all what's going on neurologically. What can we do to balance out the physical part of it? Then now now I'm going to ask you this, do you still drink? Yes, I do. Okay, so there's another factor that comes into play. Okay, is that you're you keep you keep feeding you're you're feeding the the fire. Okay, right, and that's right. and that's an issue, you know. And then again, you know, we talked earlier in the show about taking responsibility. At what point are you going to say I need to make a change here? Okay, I need to make a you know physical and emotional change. And one of the things. That really has to change, and believe me, I've dealt with this a lot in my own family, is you got to stop drinking. 
you you got to you got to stop drinking. Okay. Well, you know, it, it sounds easy. Enough, I understand. But we that. do have alcoholism that runs in my family, as I and do I in have, mine. I have, thank okay. God, none of my brothers and sisters have the gene. I'm the only one. Yeah. And I have gone. I've gone ten three different times. I've gone ten year stretches without drinking. Right. So you have the ability and, to do that. You know, you have the ability it, to do that. Is, you know, if I'm going to have one drink, and you might as well turn the tap on and tip yep. me underneath the thing. Yep. Because it gets out of control. And it's not like a light switch where you just turn it off and say, I'm not drinking anymore. Right, right. It, well, it, it's so difficult to deal with. Right. And people don't understand it. And I'm sure it's I the know. same with, with uh, all the other addictive cigarette smoking. Abs- and, absolutely. And, and everything else. I would I would love to quit all of that. Yep. But it's just so hard to just I know. flip the switch and, and say, that's, I'm not going to do it anymore. And that's why it's very difficult to do that on your own. That's why you need assistance to do it. So first of all, let me do, I'm going to share a personal story for me okay so okay. for people who don't realize i am a twin okay i have a twin brother right. my, my twin brother is an alcoholic okay now my twin brother has been sober for 35 years all right he uh, you know he's done it through aa it's just you know he changed his life he damn near killed himself back in his 20s you know mm-hmm. but he changed his life and got off all of it and has stayed sober for 35 years and has never fallen off the wagon does he struggle with it Absolutely. Every day he still goes to AA meetings. He still deals with it on a daily basis, but mm-hmm. he has made a difference. I have many, 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 many alcoholics within my family. And that was a decision that I looked at and made very early on in my life because I saw what was happening and said, I will never go down that path ever. And I never have, you know, and so um, so the thing is, it's like, you know, you 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 know, you can do it because you've done it twice before, but you need help. You know, you need some help doing that. You know, like like my, my, my brother doesn't live around here. He lives on the West Coast. But, you know, he sponsors so many people, you know, within that system, you know, because, you know, who were like him, you know, when he when he went you know, finally got off the, you know, got back on the wagon, you know, he, you know, had a sponsor that helped him guide him through that process as he has helped many and many, many people through that thing. But, you know, you have to have somebody that makes you accountable, that calls you on your crap, you know, that you, that you can, you know, that you can relate to and talk to and, and like I said, hold you accountable because what's happening is you are, you know, you're not an old man. You're still a young guy. You know, you are literally, you are literally self-destructing, you know, with what you're doing, you know, by continuing these habits going forward, you know, and until you can make a shift. And, and the other thing, too, is, you know, you, you don't have a driver's license because of this situation. You know, you I ended up my career out of this. Right, I lost right, women that I've been in love there with. you I, go. I've screwed up my whole damn life. OK, you see how that's impacted. You know, every single aspect of your life has been impacted by this. And yet, so the thing was, you're the one, you're the one that moved forward and did this. You're also the only one, you are the only one that can turn that around and make that better. You still got a lot of life ahead of you. You know, you can either say, well, it's too hard. I can't do it. Or you can start seeking help and getting other people to help support you. Because believe me, there's a lot of them out there that are willing to raise their hand and say, hey, buddy, come with me. I'm, I'm supporting you. I'll be there. All right. There's lots of them. There's entire organizations that will do that to help you. Out. And there's and that's no cost either. You know, it's not like you're going to have to lay out a lot of money or anything like that. The other thing I said is, you know, there's the online there's the online, you know, 
counseling sessions and things like that that can just make such a difference. And and virtually every community, um, big or small, has some level of, you know, you know, AA support or, you know, group meetings or things like that that can occur anywhere. You know, it can be such, it can be a game changer for you because you look at it, you know, it, you know, you lost your, you lost your job, you lost your license, you you spent some time in jail, you've lost multiple relationships. You know, if you, you've lost so much because you've allowed this thing called alcohol control you. You know, you, I I don't know you. I've never, I don't think I've ever met you, but it's like, you're the one that can control this thing. You're the one that can make the difference. You just have to look a little deeper inside of you and say, Hey, wait a minute here. Is it worth it? Is it worth me destroying every single relationship I have and everything I come in contact with? The fact that you literally have to walk around town all night long because you can't sleep because you can't allow your mind to rest long enough. You know, to 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 to, and also to forgive yourself, you know, for what's happened in the past, because sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we have to just forgive ourselves and move forward, you know, because every day is a new day. You know, like, listen, you hang up from the phone from me and that's a new moment where you can make a shift and start saying, you know what? I am worth it. I, it is worthy to do that. It, I can still recover my relationships. I still can change that. I can make new relationships. Sometimes you've hurt people so much that they're not willing to allow you in again. And sometimes you have to let them go. But sometimes if someone sees you make the effort to move forward, to really, you know, to, to, to change that situation. All of a sudden, people can be very forgiving. But the first thing you have to do is you have to forgive yourself. Okay? You just have to forgive yourself. Yeah, That's, I guess there's a lot to be said about that. It is. And and I think, I think you know, I think, again, you're your own worst enemy. You're beating yourself up day after day after day. And the way you cope with that is you sit there and say, oh, well, uh, the hell with it. I'll just take another drink. And you'll, you know, you'll drink yourself into a different state of mind, you know, and, the, and then that, and that's the temporary solution when in fact you just keep prolonging the situation. The other impact is not only psychologically, but physiologically, what is that alcohol doing to your system, to your cells, to your liver, to your, to your kidneys and all this stuff? What is that stuff doing to you? There are prices to pay for that down the road. And yet what's amazing about the human body is its ability to recover, recoup and regenerate. That by by removing the toxin, by removing the the alcohol or the cigarette or the drug, your body has the ability to recover and to heal. But there is a point where you'll go too far and then there's no return and you're not too far yet. Okay, you're you're not too far. You've got you've got a chance to do this. But again, the first step is going to start with you. You know, you are the only one that can make that difference. You have to make the commitment to yourself. You know, it's yeah. Well, it, you I, know, it all it all sounds easy enough. But I, oh, unless it, you've it, been in my situation, no. so, oh my so God. let me tell you something. It, okay, it is it is a simple concept. Okay, it is a simple concept. It is in no way easy. It is a fight, but you have to make the decision. Is it worth the fight? Okay, that's the whole thing. That's what starts the that's what starts the plan. Is is it worth the fight? It's simple. You know what? It's very easy for me to say, "Hey, stop drinking." Okay, that's as simple as it is. That's what would make the difference. However, the process is going to be much more difficult and take a bigger commitment. 
Thank you so, so much. Thank, right. thank you, I hear sir. the music coming yeah, out. Yeah, the yeah. best, yep. best of luck to you. Now everyone knows my everyone knows. And, my and, and you know, sir, that's again, that's a first step. You know, is let people know so that they can reach out and help you. That's okay, right. right. And I'd be okay. happy to talk with you more in the future about this. So thank you so okay. much. You appreciate thank it. You. Good luck. Thanks, yep. Jack. Yep. Take care. Yeah, take care. Jack. Yep. You know, the thing of it is, is you don't have to quit. Yeah. You just have to yeah. stop. Yeah. Right. Stop for one day. Right. Yeah. And, and you just take it one it. day at a time. And the other thing is, you know, people fall off the wagon. You know what? You get fall off the wagon. On. Just get back on it. That's right. You know, again, don't beat yourself up. Just get back on it. That's right. You know, it makes all the difference in the world. It sure does. And there's, yeah. there's help out there. And there's people that care. Yeah. Absolutely. I know it is a fact. Yeah. Doctor, thank you so much. We'll see you soon. All right. Appreciate it. Have a great okay. day now.